Hey everybody, Hellabass here. Welcome to episode 19 of the Hellabass Bass Fishing Podcast Experience. Today is a long one. We're talking all about swim baits and specifically Dream Smasher swim baits with back-to-back Big Bass World Championship Tom Campbell. Uh, I think you'll learn a lot about his baits. You'll learn about, about swim bait fishing and overall uh, should help you uh, catch more fish with swim baits and suck less. So enjoy the episode. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. All right. We are live, Tom. Welcome to the stream. We'll just uh, give it a second or two, let a few people go in, uh, let them get a chance to comment, kind of filter in here. All right. Beautiful uh, Wednesday night here. Not bad. I always get all these notifications that pour in, right? So Mickey's here. He wants to uh, learn how to steal all your swim bait secrets so you can start doing them for MG Lures. (laughs) How you doing, Mickey? But, uh, all right, we got Brandon McDade. What's up? Thanks for joining in. Everybody that joins in, kind of just say something in the chat, let you know, let us know you're here. We got a few people, uh, White Whale, what's going on? So tonight is going to be all about swim baits. Uh, we are going to talk specifically about Dream Smasher swim baits, and we got Tom Campbell here. Um, we're going to learn a little bit more about Tom and a whole bit a whole lot more about uh, his uh, his swim baits and his creations and kind of, I would say, your, your passion to some degree. Yep. Um, what's up, Doug Hayes? And also, guys, let me know how the audio sounds for both of us in the chat. Trying out a new webcam tonight, and I want to see if that's uh, how that sounds for everybody. So just uh, let me know. So, Tom, I guess we've known each other for a while. We used to fish in the same bass club, uh, so we go back a little ways. But uh, what what got you into fishing? I mean, uh, what was your path before go for Bassmasters? Oh man, uh, boy! Uh, fishing uh, started for me actually with a uh, drop line uh, off of a dock at my uncle Bugs's cabin, just fishing perch as a little kid, and then nice. uh, uh, later on, a little bit older, uh, my dad started uh, taking us out in a rowboat, which was not fun at all, actually. Uh, it was uh, good. Actually, it was more exercise than fishing. <laughs> right. So, uh, yeah, that was a difficult time. And, and uh, But uh, then uh, I started fishing uh, for bass specifically at age 15, uh, uh, putting waders on and uh, walking down to a bank. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I'd see the uh, fish scatter. I'd see the bee swim off and I just cast a bait right in front of them. And so I started getting into bass fishing then. And pretty soon I realized that's the only fish I wanted to target. So, Right. You, you dabbled in the tournaments. You fished some club stuff, fished yep. some small stuff around uh, Minnesota. Uh, and then you kind of you kind of got into the big bass thing. What, what led you, and I know your buddy Dave, like what led you guys down the path of big bass or big baits and big bass uh, that's kind of a big like cult kind of community in of its own within the, the uh, bass fishing. So what uh, what, what kind of led you down that path? I mean, you were catching those, you were throwing baits bigger than those perch. So how did that happen? 
Yeah, it, well, as as kids, we kind of decided that we wanted to go after the biggest bass in the lake, meaning we'd rather catch one five-pound fish than 33-pound fish. So um, we started doing that, and uh, we, we were fishing uh, at, at a lake at, in uh, central Minnesota, and I was using a Jean LaRue craw, and I was uh -huh. catching all kinds of three, three-and-a-half-pound fish, Dave ties on a swim bait, hucks it out there, five pounder. I go, well, that's a fluke. I said, that doesn't matter. It doesn't mean anything. I'm going to catch you. That's one fish. Throws it out again, another five pounder, back to back. Now he's got my attention, but I'm stubborn. I stayed with that Gene LaRue craw the whole weekend and got my ass beat bad. And so just because I was going to prove it, you know, one way or another, scientifically, I like to figure stuff out. Like, is it really, is it me? Is it the bait? Is it him? It, it was the bait. And then we kind of realized that uh, uh, swim bait fishing uh, is a good way to go after trophy bass. So we kind of got into it from there. So this is you and Dave Sindrich together. That the path goes all the way back to the start. Yeah, it sure does. Yeah. All right. In fact, uh, Dream Smashers starts with uh, Dave uh, uh, being friends with Bob King and doing some work with Bob King. And uh, mm -hmm. I think that was in uh, right around 2012 or something like that. And then Dave contacted me and asked me if I was interested in uh, getting involved in this uh, swim bait business. And I said, yeah, absolutely. And um, so we tinkered around with stuff and tried to figure out ways to, you know, make these baits work and put uh, internal parts into them. And, you know, it just, uh, it, it took a long time from there. So it took a couple of years before we got the LLC started and, and uh, then just a lot of work into just uh, research and development on uh, trying to make these things, you know, the paint, the, uh, the plastic mixes, the internal parts, you know, keeping things so they stay durable, stay intact, stay together after these big fish throttle them. So, yeah, we'll, we'll circle back on some of those nuggets in a little bit. So. Yeah. What's up, Sycamore? What's up, Jordan? Uh, Tom Mix, Eric. Uh, so you, we fish club stuff. I think you are fishing at the state tournaments in Minnesota. Yep. A couple. So we, we used to fish the same club. We used to fish Federation stuff. And then you kind of took a different route where you started fishing these big bass tournaments and the Big Bass World Championship. Yeah. Uh, how long, how many times have you fished that? How many times have you made the championship out of Minnesota? Um, I think I fished in it. So this went back into like, I think the, I'm guessing it was like the late nineties or uh -huh. mid nineties or something. It was around and then it went away and it came back again. So I used to enter into it back then also, uh, but uh, never, uh, never qualified in for it. I did qualify in, in 2014, I think it was. Uh -huh. uh, and then 2000- or no, I, I, wait a minute, it was 2016, and then 2018 again, and 2019, so. Yeah, so, and just, I think I I, I, I did it back a long time ago, uh, when it was, even as a junior, I entered the Big Bass World Championship as a junior, and back then, the juniors didn't actually move on and fish, but if you won your state, you, like, won a big prize pack, so I remember winning it uh, as a kid once with, like, a six-pounder up on Pokegama and got, like, a big bunch of tackle and stuff, and I know... Uh, my dad's cousin, uh, Ken Millinder, used to fish it all the time, and he qualified several times. And I don't remember if he won it, but I know he, he went to a couple of the championships. But it's a really unique concept. It's almost kind of like what they do for kayaks, right? You get, like, this this ruler in the mail, 
uh, and it's got, you know, basically a, it's specific to the contest and you get, you go out and catch fish. It's all based on length and girth, right? There's a calculation you have to take in the girth and then you're only competing against the people in your state that register. So you have to pre-register, you send in like, I don't know, 40, 50, 60 bucks or whatever it is. It's like less than a hundred bucks, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's cheap. And then uh, you just certify fish and there's an online, like back in the day, you used to like, you have to look in the magazine to see who was leading, <laughs> but now <laughs> on the websites. Uh, and I think if you, you know, there's prizes at the state level and then obviously you, uh, you go on to the world championship, which is usually typically had somewhere in the middle of the country and you go and fish that and it's a one fish tournament. Uh, and uh, you've had a little bit of success in that. So so you've qualified for the world championship, which is basically a USA championship, I think. What, three times you said? Yep. And uh, though, of those three times you qualified, how many times did you catch the fish on a swim bait to get there? Uh, well, I would say twice. Okay. <laughs> it's kind of, when I say twice, it's because uh, that's what got me there in 2018. And uh-huh. I won it in 2018. And then I'm automatically invited sure. back to defend the title in, in 19 and, and won it again. Right. So. so, yeah. So, Tom, you are back to back winner? Yep. Yep. So you won the world championship back to back. Back to back. Yep. That's pretty sweet. I don't think a lot of people know that. And it's a very underrated achievement. It, that tournament definitely doesn't get as much publicity as it probably should. Um, and you won. Did you, I know one of the tournaments you won on your bait. Did you win both of them? Nope. Uh, first, uh, 2018, I won on a uh, Grub custom painted crankbait, which is uh, kind of funny. Uh, sure. I was from fishing the club tournaments with me and stuff. Uh, friends of mine said, "You, you what? You, you threw a crankbait?" They were shocked. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I mean, I throw everything at them when I'm out there. So I just find <clears throat> swim baits works best for me. I get my biggest fish with those normally. But you know, I mean, I'll throw everything at them. So, right. But, uh, but this, I won the 19, you use your own bait. Yes. Do you have that bait with you, or one like it? Yes, I do. So this isn't exactly like the Big Bass Splash, which is like an hourly tournament. This is more of like a nationwide tournament, and everybody comes in, and they they literally bring in one. You weigh in one fish. You fish eight hours or seven hours, bring in one fish, right? Yep, yep. And so this is – normally I have a weighted, half-ounce weighted uh, beast hook on this. But uh, down there, what I did is I stuck these uh, weights. Down there. Where's down there, Tom? Oh, sorry, Oklahoma. That was in Oklahoma. On uh, On Fort Gibson? Yeah, it was Gibson. Or no, it was, uh, sorry, that was Hudson on that one that I won. Hudson. Okay. So I fished Fort Gibson the first time I was there, and then Hudson the, the last two times I was there. And there was, um, uh, it was flooded. There was uh, brush piles all over, uh, flooded timbers and things that had just washed down and uh, were all over the banks. And so I kind of put these nail weights in there just as to, to bump in if I was bumping into stumps or something like that. And this was to protect my uh, line tie also from hitting that chunk rock or that riprap. And then I was fishing that stuff and, and this goes through just about anything. So it's weedless and that's, that's what works for me. I could have thrown so, uh, jigs and stuff down there, but that was kind of about all you could do really. Right. So not, so you not only like design the bait, but you also customize it and tinkered with it to win the big bass world championship. So that, how, how did that feel to like, obviously it was cool to win it the first time, but then to back it up 
and then went on your own bait. That had to feel pretty cool. What was that like? Yeah, it was awesome. I mean, it was that was just it's it's unbelievable to be able to go back down there again and you know try and defend a title which nobody's ever done it before. And I went back and won it again, and it was on my own bait. So nobody's ever won that twice ever in the history of it. So which is pretty cool. And then to do it back to back and on my own bait, that was doesn't get much better than that. You're literally like the Rick Clun of the Big Bass World Championship. That's what I just heard. <laughs> yeah, right. Anybody else just here? That's what I heard. <laughs> that's and then you won a boat, right? Both times or just the last time? What was uh, the both times? It's a, a boat and uh, boat motor and trailer and twenty five thousand dollars. Yeah, that's both times. That almost equals what you would like making a month selling swim baits, right? Yeah, <laughs> almost. <laughs> I should win more tournaments. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so that's awesome. Like, yeah, that's a good. I mean, I don't even know the details of that. But that so now you're automatically qualified again for this year, right? Uh, I should have been qualified for this year. So I don't know. Um, it doesn't seem like it's going to happen this year. Uh, okay, with all that. All that. So. Sure. Uh, the tournament director, I uh, reached out to him a while back and uh, the response he had given to a bunch of people in a uh, closed Facebook group was that he was waiting to get back the uh, rules from the attorney to have the, the rules rewritten and haven't heard okay. since. So I'm assuming that, you know, this time into the season, that's probably not happening. So hopefully if there is another season, you're qualified for it. That's right. I'll be, I'll be back in there. So. All right. Nice. But uh, yeah, that's awesome. Um, do you fish any other tournaments these days or you just kind of stick to that and then stick to the fun fishing and the, and the bait making? Cause that's, it, it requires a lot of time to uh, pour these baits. Yeah. It takes a lot of time to, uh, get these baits done and out there to people and stuff. So, um, I keep saying, I'm going to get back into fishing more tournaments and then the season comes, I've done no research. I have no time. Uh, yeah. and I'm, and I'm making baits, trying to get people baits. So, uh, yeah. it's going to happen. I'm, I'm going to do it. So, yeah. So, and the white whale says, what month is that held? So I believe it like starts like to catch the fish to qualify, like in your state, I think it starts what January one. So whenever fishing, whenever bass fishing opens, right. state, that's when it yep. starts for, for you. And then it's over. You have to have your entrance in by August 15th. And then they usually have the tournament in like September, October, November, or something like that. Third, third week in October, pretty close to that. Yeah. Usually. It was on Halloween one year. Sure. Uh, Chad wants to know how big was the fish? How big were the two fish that won it? Just big enough. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they, were like... they were about four and a half pounds, both of them. Okay. Uh, but I mean... uh, it was tough fishing conditions. and. Yeah, was, I mean, you're fishing in enough. Oklahoma in October. That's not, pr you're like, early fall they're not really full feet on it's kind of like fishing like early september here where things are just a little weird so yeah it was it was tough conditions for sure yeah i mean i, I bet a lot of guys barely even didn't like catch any fish let alone a big fish right like so yeah that's cool um so let's maybe uh get into so you kind of talk about you and dave and i guess maybe bob king what what people a lot of people probably don't know about Bob King. What can you tell us about Bob and your kind of and how Dave and that relationship? Oh man, uh, Bob King is—he's uh, the uh, original designer of the uh, wedge tail. 
Um, and uh, all the baits that we have are Bob King original designs. Uh, the, the guy was just, I mean, he was brilliant at what he did and making these tails move and kick and, and they move a lot of water, uh, cause a lot of vibration, call fish, the fish from distances. Um, but he, uh, he designed the baits just mostly uh, with the, the tails in mind. And then he had stuff like jig heads on the outside of them and whatever else. So we worked at, you know, putting internal harnesses into them, moving them inside. Um, uh, but like Bob, Bob was a West Coast guy, right? Uh, you know, no? I, I don't know where Bob is actually from. Um, I, I still talk to Bob. I know where he's from now, but I don't know where he's actually from uh, originally. Uh, Dave knows that. I, I guess I just assume he was pretty early on in the swim mate that he probably has some connection to probably like the West. But um. yeah, I'm not exactly positive. Sure. That's all right. Uh, but anyways, he, I mean, he's a guy that really knew about designing baits, but he never really had probably what needed to take it to the next level as far as like producing the baits, right? He could, he could make one-offs and make designs and yeah. tinker and all that, but never really had the, I don't know, the, I don't know if the want or the, the resources to kind of like try to kick them out and sell them. Right. Yeah. It's, it, it's, it's tough to do. Um, so, getting started uh, I think at one point uh, he just decided that he did not want to uh, fill orders you know it just wasn't right. it was it's a lot of work and I mean not that he's afraid of work uh, but he's just he was good at designing the bodies of the baits the tails and he was a master at that I mean it just I have probably sitting on probably about 30 different designs of his that I you know I can't wait to bust them out but I, I don't I have to make the baits I have right now and get get them on mm -hmm. people and, and uh, I get sidetracked if I ever look in those boxes and see what's in there. Yeah. So there's guys asking already about cost and colors and how many baits designs. We are gonna get there, but we're we're we're, we're working through the story to get there. So just just hang with us and we'll be there shortly. Um, <clears throat> but a lot of these baits were, from what I understand, were pretty raw, right? And they, you have taken a lot of time to refine them, come up with harness systems uh, to make them more durable, to make them more consistent. Yeah. Uh, do you want to show any of that, like some of the kind of the, the secrets? Right. Sure. Too much? So, I'll show you a little something on this one here. So this is what you end up with. That's one of the uh, four-inch gill. Mm -hmm. And um, so this is what's inside of it. That's... Uh, I'll lay it right on top of it. You can see kind of how it goes in there. That's kind of how it, that's a. Yeah, bring it a little closer if you can, like reach out. There you go. All right, so that's what's inside that bait right there. So we injection mold that uh, internal harness ahead of time. Uh, it encapsulates the uh, lead. Uh, the lead kind of reacts poorly with the plastic sometimes. So we got that. It goes into there. And then we infuse uh, flotation into the plastics. Um, this uh, this bait will stand up on the bottom. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah. So let's let's not gloss over some of the <clears throat> the gritty needy details there. So <clears throat> a couple things, right? You have a harness that you injection mold. So you get precision out of that. You get consistent hook placement. You've got a solid frame. So when you hook that fish, it's really not stressing the bait. Um, yeah like some like a line through or a wire harness, right? Like where that will just kind of tend to tear through your bait. Uh, 
um, you're wrapping the lead with the plastic. So that helps the interaction. So I know I've had like some line throughs where like the, the bullet weight or the barrel sinkle in there just eats the plastic and it comes apart when it like, so there's a lot of like, you, you kind of brushed over it quick, but there's a lot of like trial and error, a lot of R and a lot of research and fails that it went into that to get that bait where it is today. So, um, and there's a lot of years to that and a lot of stuff that probably doesn't go into like mass produced space. Um, I mean, you can probably find similar systems on other kind of custom swim baits and things like that. Not exactly like yours, but other systems that people have put that much time into, but you're just not going to find that in a, you know, Bass Pro, um, 499 swim bait. Right? Uh, uh, Chad wants to know if you're looking for a uh, apprentice or a future partner. He's, he's kind of got one, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah, that is true. Uh, but uh, yeah, so instead of that, so you, you, your hand, you've got uh, a small setup for doing the injection. Yeah. Right? You make your own harnesses. Yep. Yep. purchasing the hooks and some of the hardware, but you make and inject your own harnesses. Yep. Uh, you are hand pouring the yep. baits, all the baits, which we're going to get into some of these in more detail. Yeah. Uh, and then you're hand painting, custom painting each one. Yep. And then if they have hardware hooks and stuff, you're assembling all that. Um, is there like a clear coat over the paint on these two or a dip or anything or? Um, there's on some of them, some of the models have a clear, uh, some don't, some have flotation infused into them. Some don't, some are, uh, there's some softer plastics we use, some harder plastics. Uh, uh, it gets into some of the, we're trying to find the best uh, swim for each model, you know, to get the best action or the, the desired action we want out of them. And so we kind of, uh, we manipulate that and play with that. And that takes a lot of time too, to figure out what, works best what plastics to use and what mixes and then we add yep. stuff to them and change so them. on top of each bait having its own design some of them have harnesses they all the ones that have harnesses have their own harnesses correct yeah. and have their own formula yep based on what you want them to do or what they're designed to do for plastic so it's not like all the same um so yeah, Ospreys are famous for discoloring because of the lead. Uh, Swimjig50 says the, the gill catches them. I 100% agree. Jordan's pouring right now, so that's good. Uh, <laughs> Kyle Mullet says a lot of swims get discolored from the lead. Does your injection molded harness prohibit the discolor discoloration? Uh, I'm sorry, what was that? The, does the Kyle says a lot of swim baits get discolored from the lead. Does your injection molded harness prohibit that? Uh, yes. So that's, that's again... Uh, the lead is is inside of there, right there. So that's that's protecting it. Uh, we went through that before too, where we had you know problems with the plastic discoloring or breaking down and, and doing things we didn't want it to do, and that's why we decided to do that. Um, I had a, a friend of mine, uh, Stan Vick, help me uh, design the stuff. Uh, he does CNC work and, and cut molds, or or did he recently passed? But awesome guy, uh, helped me uh, do a ton of stuff like this, and you know. Back and forth. Tom asks, what type of paints do you use? So the paints, I cannot tell you what kind of paints we use. We Every paint is mixed individually. So all of sure. our 
Uh, it took uh, uh, Dave Sindrich, uh, it took him almost two years to uh, come up with that paint. And uh, people have asked that question probably more than anything else. Uh, sure. But unfortunately, that's the one of the secret Coca-Cola recipes sure. we can't share with you. So. Totally understand. Good stuff. That's what you need to know. Durable, good paint. <laughs> um, yeah, guys there, thanks for coming in. We're over 30. So if you guys can hit that like button and uh, share it out at all, that'd be great. Because Tom, and we're about to get in the bait. So that's going to be the juicy part. And people aren't going to want to miss that. So if you guys can uh, hit that thumbs up a little bit. And as we get into this, we'll, we'll be getting into this. So just for, we're getting close to showing the baits and starting to get in each model. But like on average, how many hours do you think it takes to build a bait from start to finish? <laughs> I mean, they're, they're different based on the models, but just give us like a range. I mean, obviously you're doing it in batches, but like when you start a batch till you finish a batch, like just to give people an understanding of how labor intensive they really are. Cause it's not like four and a Senko. Like, yeah, I was going to say, I, I don't actually have that number because as I, as I do things, I, I add more molds to, I get more molds cut make more molds do it and it uh, speeds the process. I have some help now with uh, some of the pouring sure. and other things. So I, I really actually have never stopped to figure that number out, but they are very uh, labor intensive. I mean, several hours though. Like, yeah, they, yeah, it takes a long time to do these. I mean, this is not like 10 minutes. This is no, no. from start to finish. Yeah, it takes a long time. A few days process, yeah. You know, you're not doing it continuously, but it's not like right. You got to let stuff cure also. Pack a batch at eight and ship them at five o'clock that night. No, that's, a, that's the other unfortunate part. You have to let them cure, and then uh, once they're cured, and then you uh, go into the painting, then you have to let the paint set up and stuff too. So you can't just go ah, done, ready, ship out the door. Right. So, so that's. I mean, we'll talk about how people can buy them and stuff like that, and how to get them in a little bit. But that's some of the limitations, right? It's not like you know, you have a certain, you build up a certain inventory and you have a decent following. They tend to like cycle pretty quick. And then there's kind of, there's like waves that come, but uh, let's, let's start talking about the baits. Let's get into uh, some of the, the details. Uh, the first bait I think you did was the top hook or the, or what do you call the, your, your first bait? Yeah, you the bottom hook too. I don't know if you still do, but like, what, what do you call that bait? And, so it was the, uh, this was the uh, six inch shad. Yep. And that was the top hook, top hook six inch shad. Of course, now we went into a weedless version of it, you know, but that's uh, the same bait body, but sure. no harness and that other one. But yeah, that's, that's the one that we, uh, we started with. And uh, so that's, that's got its own harness. That's slightly different designed yeah. for the bait. Yeah. It's the same, same type of thing as this, but, but not, it's different, same, but different. Right. Right. So it's just got a different uh, design inside there. And so do you not do this one anymore or is that uh, yeah. have a prototype here? Yeah. Yeah. That is an old prototype. So that, yeah, that's the uh, bottom hook and uh, we aren't doing the bottom hook um, at this time. Um, the reason that kind of went away and uh, uh, Dave Sendrich still loves those and, and fishes those, but uh, it's kind of, we, we tried to make all these baits be a, a, I'll call it a three speed bait for the lack of, better number to use but so we, we wanted to be able to fish at a fast speed you know burn in it a medium retrieve and a slow retrieve so that tail kicks at super slow speeds also and uh, that one was kind of a uh, two-speed bait you could do it real slow and you could do it real fast and it would straighten out but at a medium retrieve which i think there's a lot of people that might do a medium retrieve right. might go 
this thing doesn't swim right. <laughs> so we didn't want to get into that. So that one got set on the side burner. Um, I still fish. Um, it's funny. I set one of these over here. Um, I still fish one of these, which we don't sell either right now, but it's a bottom hook uh, gill. And uh, uh -huh. it's, it's, you know, certain situations, you know, you're going to want that bottom hook. Um, you can, uh, you can modify your bait to do that. Um, I did, I did one of these. I, I don't fish this, but other people do. So it's the, uh, it's that same bait. I was just showing just the top hook six inch shad, yep. but then you just put a, uh, a fluorocarbon leader on there with crimps, and then you just make the hook you want. And then it just buried the hook right into the, the bait there. So, so that that on that bait that that uh, your fluorocarbon is coming off the hook eye down yeah, the yep the line ties I'll yep. show you right here so it's it's just like this and so it's just coming off of there it's almost kind of like a, a butch brown rig in a sense you know where yep. you have a short little you shorten this leader up and made it stubby and you put it in the top of the head like that yeah and then you'd cut this you'd cut the top hook off or something it's for fish when they're head shotting it and, you know mm -hmm. just another modification so. But I I don't uh, I don't use the stingers. I tried using stingers before, um, and it just it's not my thing. It doesn't work well for me. I let the fish eat the bait, and it's you know I get good hookups with it. Uh, some people uh, think it needs it, and if they think it needs it, then it does for them. And there's right. nothing and wrong I've, with that. I've also always heard that that gets more dangerous for the fish. Right, you tend to get more fish in the tongue and the the throat with those stingers. Yeah, like I. I rigged up some old huds that way with that same. They used there you go. A, a wire for that. They actually got rid of it because it was dangerous for the fish. Yeah. If they commit well enough to get the top hook, then they get that bottom hook and it ends up getting choked. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and that's, that's the thing. I mean, they're, they're, they're collapsible baits. So, I mean, that folds right up and goes in their mouth. And if you've got that, I couldn't tell you how many times I've got this part of the, the bait is down in their gullet and it's, it's actually kind of gross. You got to jiggle it out of their crunchers. It's, it's actually right. stuck down in their crunchers and you're like <laughs> wiggling it out of there. So if you had, imagine you got a treble hook on there, you might kill that fish. Absolutely. And so just for people that like maybe, so here's a, a tournament talon swim bait. And this is the, the six inch top hook. So just to give you perspective for maybe a, a swim bait that you guys maybe know or have a little familiarity with um, you know, his bait's just a little bit similar. The, the, I would say the the talon is a little bit longer, uh, but the the profile of of the the Dream Smasher is a little taller, and it definitely got a more blunt uh, nose to it. So maybe talk about this. I, I feel like this is really unique to your guys' baits. Is that blunt, and what do you feel that does, or why, or what's the? I guess the methodology behind that or why or what is it what does so, it do it was kind of the uh you know it was bob's design uh again and so bob's design i think was to it was that behind the vortex design or something uh to the effect of like a a, a bridge piling being in the water and water rushing around it and creating vibrations behind it that's mm -hmm. kind of what the idea was behind this um also um the guys on uh, sb fishing tv uh, just mentioned something about it. And I was like, you are exactly right. Uh, because the nose is like it is, uh, that squared off type of nose, it gets through the, uh, 
the the brush and stuff just it's it's different than something that has a, a pointy short nose. And it's like a football jig versus a regular jig. The football jig is going to push stuff around. Yep. Same thing. Yep. And so this really gets through the uh, the rocks and the uh, brush and stuff like that. Really nice. Tilings, whatever. Yep. Like, yeah. yep. So when we went weedless, it was another great advantage to having that nose and you know weedless now and. Yeah. So. Kyle uh, Mullet asks, what hooks are used in your, your top hook model? Or what, I mean, like, is that like a Gamagatsu, a Mustad, a owner, secret sauce? What's the? <laughs> Mustad. Okay. Some of the, uh, the bottom hooks uh, that we had before were, uh, uh, they were the uh, KVD uh, hooks. Uh, mm -hmm. Triple grip. I think we're still using some of that with the, uh, the King Gill. I think that's that, yeah, that's still, that's a KVD and the King Gill. Oh. Uh, yeah. So and the thing about a Mustad is like, it's a good hook. It's a sharp hook. But the nice thing I like about Mustads specifically, that's why I use them in Bass Tech jigs is because they're really easy to sharpen. Right. So like similar, thing, right? you've got a fairly expensive swim bait or a fairly expensive tungsten jig head. You don't necessarily want a chemically sharpened point that once you roll it, it's no good anymore. It's nice to have a hook that takes a sharpen really easy because you're investing in a bait and you want a hook that you can resharpen over and over again. So, yeah, thanks, White Whale, for sharing that out. That's awesome. Um, Eric said definitely could throw it in a derby. Absolutely. Uh, I think we talked about moving the water. Uh, how, the weed, He wants to know, how does the weedless version do in the reeds? And then talk about the hook you recommend for your six-inch weedless. All right, so the uh, six-inch weedless, that's a 10-aught uh, owner uh, beast hook. Um, some of the guys are using that flashy swimmer. Yes, yes, that's the one. Um, so it's a 10-aught. I don't know if I have one sitting here. I don't have the packaging sitting there, but it's a 10-aught owner. There it is. There you go. Rich has it. <laughs> Ready to go. Um, so, yeah, that's what we're using in there. I recommend that uh, half-ounce weighted one. Uh, it just seems to uh, do everything you want it to do. Uh, every once in a while, there's, there's, there's the weighted version, half yeah, ounce. The weighted half ounce version is what I recommend. Um, I do use that unweighted version when I want to have a, a a little bit different uh, uh, different swim going on, or I want to uh, retrieve slower and and uh, almost just crawling it through stuff and and I don't know, just barely moving it. Yeah, maybe talk about the hook slot. And how that works yes okay so there's a uh there's a channel there's a channel so it's it's for easier rigging um let's see if i have a i had one that was uh had all this stuff out here so it's somewhere rich i promise you uh oh here we go so i did one that was kind of translucent can you see through that one or not yeah so, looks good okay. so there's yeah there's a there's a channel that's uh in the bait um, when we pour them, there's a, a slot that we create in there. So it's easier to rig them for rigging. You'll see that hole in the back of the bait. Uh, let's see if I got here. I'll just pull this one off here. Now you can't really see that one. It would have been better with a, a white one or something, but there is a little hole in there and uh, you follow the hook point into that. And then uh, the channel goes all the way through to the top of the bait. There you can see it better there. So right, right to yep. the top of the bait there, that hook channel comes all the way through. So it's, easy, it's better for hook sets, and it's easier to rig. 
So, yeah. so really, pops right out. this the six inch weedless is really designed around the ten knot beast hook. To be honest, like that's the bait that was made for. Like that's the mold is basically created to be perfect match with that ten knot beast hook. So we actually used a ten knot beast hook. The, the bait already existed, but we right. found that the ten knot beast hook fit it absolutely perfectly. So we designed that channel. Right. With the 10 out beast hook. That's what we use. That's what I'm saying. The channel and all that stuff that went into yes. it and are designed around that bait. Absolutely, yes. How big the slot was, what, how we determined how big the slot was going to be, and uh, all of that, yes, was designed around that at that point. It just fit the yeah. bait. So White Whale's asking about rate of fall. So on your on your top hook, is there only a single rate of fall, or is there multiple baits for the top hook, six inch? Um, so, okay, this one is just, uh, all we're doing is a medium sink for this one. This, is that what he's okay. talking about, the six-inch shad? So you've only got a medium in that one, okay. Yep. Um, and then, obviously, for your weedless version, it's up to you, basically, for what belly weight you go with. Right. Um, anything else to cover on the six-inch as far as colors? I mean, like, I guess you've got... A, if you like June bug, right? There's a special. Are they? Are they gone? Are they yeah. still? No, we still we still have those. Yep, we'll have them. We'll make sure we have them for the rest of the month of June. Okay. So like I've got. We'll, we'll just keep making them. When we run out, we'll make more. So. Yeah. So I mean, they got. I mean, we'll we'll probably pull up the website and show off a bunch of colors here. But like, this is like an albino, uh, really similar to a very popular like mag draft color. Um, and this is kind of a, a shimmery shad type version uh i've got some in a black and blue he's got a lot more colors i'm just showing you what i got uh, in the top hook i got a pretty good looking perch color <laughs> yeah but uh anything else i guess uh your top hooks tend to be a little bit more uh like pattern right like these are going to come in like bait fish patterns yeah. where your weedless versions come in kind of more simple they're just poured to a color minimal yep. paint and then your top hooks will come with a full paint job right yeah correct yep. yeah so before we move on what what are the costs of the, the top hook and then what what are the costs for the weedless versions all right so the uh the top hooks here these are uh 25 each and these the uh the weedless are uh two for 30 dollars and the hooks are sold separately on those. We have those on the website also. So you are a, uh, a dealer for the beast hooks. Uh, let's see. He says, I would imagine the button nose works well with the screw lock. Yeah, so you definitely got more meat for your screw locks. And it allows you to upsize your screw locks, right? Isn't that something you do? A lot of times you'll buy the, so the you can, screw locks and use those. You can you can change them out, and I think uh, I think Eagle Claw makes a uh, longer uh, screw lock. Um, here's another. Uh, I don't know if we're getting into uh, tricks or not right now, but as long as we got the six inch out and we're looking at it, um, some guys will take and they'll they'll take a toothpick and they'll jam it through. They'll stick a toothpick right through the. Uh, Should have done it with that translucent one, but they'll stick it through there through the screw lock like that. And they'll sure. do another one like an X, you know, and they'll just they'll snap them off, break them off, push them in there. And then uh, that gives an extra holding uh, force that way. Some people do it after it tears out. Um, and that if that happens, you can go to a uh, 
that eagle claw, that longer screw lock if you want, or put the toothpicks in there or something like that. Get more life out of your bait. And that extra meat in the head gives you a little more little more leeway to play around with things like that than some of these baits that have a really small, you know, fine nose to them for sure. So, yeah. um, so what will top hook weedless? Yeah, there's no line throughs. The, the ones that have the hook built into them are harnessed, not line through. Right. Uh, so you can create your own line through with like rivet rigs and stuff. And right. I've, done, I've done that too with, uh, yeah, you can definitely take the weedless and make this a line through by feeding and it's, actually not very much plastic to go through with that hook nail you got maybe an inch three quarters of an inch inch so so here's here's what i did i i had one sitting here too uh I, this is basically just like a uh the inside of a pen the uh of a ballpoint pen you just cut it off don't get the ink in there and it's just jammed right through this this nose part right through here to there i don't know if you can see it's just that's it's so it's that long and then um you know, you stick your line through there, and then I put a, a weight on there. You can put a different uh -huh. size weight if you want in there for whatever, no weight. And then uh, tie your hook on and, and put it onto there like that, and then you got yourself a line through. So it's, it's pretty easy to, to do that. Um, some guys use rivets, that rivet rig, where they take a rivet and they punch yep. off the uh, stem of the rivet. And you can use McDonald's coffee straws, and there's all kinds of things you can use to make a <laughs> Probably. Uh, Swimjig50's guy, he says you can use the, the weightless beast hooks and then clamp on those rubber core sinkers. So if you want to be, uh, that's kind of a tip. If you don't want to invest a bunch in hooks and you want to be able to play around with it, that's a good tip. Yeah, it gives uh, you the option of having different weights. Yeah, what's up, Lunker Lures? Uh, White Whale says God bless Mend It. Absolutely. Anytime, if you're into swim baits, you probably should have to mend it in your, in your boat for sure or in your, in your tackle box. Uh, but I would say overall, these are pretty tough baits. Like they hold up pretty well like these are not like one fish baits by any means no uh, no they're, uh, they're pretty durable uh, this, this is actually the weedless are our softest plastic however out of all the other baits uh, that we have uh, but that was by design again to get the action that we wanted out of them so yeah so i mean that's partly because the action and partly because you're fishing at weedless and you want the fish to be able to that kind of crumple up when he eats it yeah. and then Able to be pliable enough to get that hook through it, right? So yep. you can go with a super rigid design like you could with the top hook or something like that. Right. Um, so let's uh, maybe jump into, uh, I don't know, what, what, what's next? One of the gills? Sure. We can talk about the gills. The uh, um, That was the one that we were showing the harness for before. This is a fast sink harness. So um, the fast sink gills will have yellow or gold eyes, and the medium sink will have the white or silver eyes. There, yeah, there you go. On the rod. It's got some teeth marks on it. Yeah. Some, it's been chewed on, but uh, still holding up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's, uh, yeah, so we've got uh, two sink rates for that one, and it's uh, the uh, the fast and the medium sink on that. Um uh, this is do you, do you, a fast and a medium sink. Do you have like, I guess that people are familiar with Huddleston's, right? Do you know what the, uh, so we, rate do, we do our sink, we do a sink rate by ours. So the, uh, let me see here. I got numbers running through my pea brain all the time. Uh, it's on the website or on the online store in the description of the baits. Um, it'll say, uh, how much the bait weighs, uh, what the sink rate is. So this one, the uh, the medium sink on this, I believe, falls uh, one foot 
per second. And then I believe the uh, fast sink falls like uh, 1.3 foot per second or something like that. I, I can't Did you say, is that on the website? Yeah, it's, it's all on the description of each bait. It'll tell you how much the bait actually weighs. Like this is an ounce and a half bait um, uh, where there it is. Uh, and then, um, so Look at, who's this guy? Yeah, who's that that's guy? all about hardly recognize him, huh? <laughs> so there's the Bodie one. So let's uh, so you're saying if I click on this and go in here, and there I got my weight, I've got my sink rate. Um, this is just showing you only got two colors in stock right now. Yep. Yep. You got a carp and an El Natural in stock. Yep, that is correct. Then the uh, any one of the models you click on will have, like I said, it'll have a description of how much it weighs. Even the weedless uh, shad has a description of what they weigh with the half ounce owner beast hook you know, attached to the bait. Sure. Okay. So how many colors of the, uh, the six inch shad do you do? What's uh, the, the top hook we're, uh, we're doing uh, just three colors right now. Um, in the uh, weedless one, we're doing five colors right now. Uh, and we're, we kind of change that around. We, uh, we see what, uh, what people are wanting. We get people that ask for certain things and we get a whole bunch of demand for something. Then we'll kind of look into that color and try and work on something like that. Uh, so the, the, yeah. Okay. I see you got the, the weedless. Yeah, so like last there. month, right. Was it last month or the month before you had a bubble gum, right? Yeah. Yeah. Right. We had that, uh, we had that bazooka color the month before or whatever. So. Every once in a while, we'll come out with something different uh, for a different color for the uh, weedless or for the uh, top hook version too. Sure. Yeah. So if you guys are, if you like watching uh, Epic Eric and, and Smallmouth Crush and you like that Junebug crankbait that he keeps showing, you might need to get one of these. <laughs> um, but that, yeah, that's cool. Um, yeah. So yeah. Yep. So yeah, I did. So Tom says you have one that's a black back shad color, which I guess your top hook, I guess, kind of looks that shad does kind of have a black back. Yeah, it's got a bunch of different colors. Yeah. About here. yeah it's um, when you, when you look at it, it depends on the lighting. It's really hard to photograph these because they kind of. Uh, they shift. So like, for example, I don't know what it looks like in this lighting, if you can see, but it, yep. okay. So it's, it's a darker color, but when you get it in water, there's just a tiny bit of a uh, little bit of uh, purple to it, a little bit of, there's, there's a lot of different colors in here. And if you take the picture, photograph these outside versus inside, they look like complete different baits. It's hard to do. Um, sure. And they change in the water a little bit also. So there's a whole bunch of colors layered onto this. Absolutely. That's cool. Um, yeah, I definitely, yeah. For those that have been with my channel, I definitely 
had a pretty good video or a pretty good uh, stint where I caught some nice fish on that bluegill. So I'm a big fan. I definitely think that this, I mean, in this, it, like if you hang out in Swimbait Universe and places like this, there's probably people will kind of turn their nose on this because it's just not big enough for some people. But uh, this bait not only I think is a good option for tournaments, it catches, you know, two pounders all the way up to biggins. It's a nice, it's definitely, a, I would call it a gateway swim bait. It's kind of like marijuana swimming. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I throw that thing a lot. And uh, yeah. it, it catches me a lot of fish. That's actually the bait that qualified me into the Big Bass World Championship. Okay. So you, so you caught it on the gill and then you finished it with the, the weedless shad. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I think we've hit a, a new record high for the most concurrent viewers. So you're like a, a rock star now. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we're up to, at 35,000 or, or just 35. Uh, but, uh, so, yeah, Eric says, you know, I think that, you know, uh, good alternative. The weedless is definitely uh, an alternative to a mag draft. I think you would fish them in a lot of the same situations. Um, give the, you know, especially like with the popularity of the mag draft, um, you know, I think, uh, with everybody throwing those and you look over something a little different, I think that that could definitely be a good opportunity. Um, to show them tails too, different action, different tails. Right. I mean, they definitely don't have the same action, but I think they fish similar. I mean, the six inch mag draft and, and your six inch weedless can easily cover the same water columns, um, right. but you're definitely showing them a different action and moving the water differently for sure. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah. Tom uh, Katz or Kate says rod and reel setup. So, yeah, maybe like back up. So what do you like for the six inch? And then maybe talk about what you like about for the gills. And let's kind of. Okay. So for the six inch, I have, uh, I have some old rods. Is, is, uh... I need some new rods is what I'm saying. So here's a, it's an Akuma and I like that. It's got this big, long butt handle to it. You know, yep. if you can see it in the, in the view there, but you know, that way I can tuck that thing under, you know, I, I stick it right under my arm like that. And then I cast, I, I have bad shoulders. I can't, I couldn't huck this thing all day. So I'd literally throw with my body and it goes a mile. I can skip docks with this thing, you know, just using my body now too. I don't know mm -hmm. to throw it like this. I just, you know, but this how, is how a, long is that rod for the six inch? It's a uh, 7 uh, Akuma rod. It's an old Akuma. Okay. Uh, it's a uh, rated for uh, one to six ounce baits. Uh, so it's a pretty heavy rod, uh, but I like it for this. Uh, I'll also throw this uh, six inch shad on a little bit smaller rod, which is, uh, well, that hit the ceiling there. What kind of, while you're getting out of the rod, what kind of line do you like for the six inch weedless? Okay, so myself, um, I like to uh, I like to use uh, mono, uh, twenty to twenty five pound mono. Uh, I know a lot of people will throw uh, braid with the uh, weedless baits. Uh, I can't throw braid; it's just a personal preference. More people throw braid, I think, than mono, um, or they use that leader line, you know, a floral leader. Um, I get excited. I pull the trigger too fast that I need that extra little bit of time that stretch in the line before I uh, set the hook. I, I get just a little too excited. I pull the trigger too fast. That's just me. So what and why mono versus floral? 
a little more stretch to the model, you know. But like cheaper. Yeah, it's cheaper also, a lot cheaper. So uh, this one, I also throw the uh, throw the gill on this one, um, and then I'll also this is a uh, this is an I rod uh, junior swim. So and, and this rod is just it's a phenomenal rod. I love this rod for uh, the, the four inch gill and the six inch shad. So this one is a uh, uh, seven foot eight, um, and it's uh, let's see if it says here one to four ounce baits. And that's uh -huh. what those are. I mean, I don't know if I throw a four ounce bait on this rod. I might stop it at just right, right around three, but it's it's a real good rod for that gill too. And uh, it's pretty much I, I keep the gill tied up to this one and the shad tied up to that other rod. Well, I will. And you still still throwing twenty to twenty five on the gill, or do you use lighter line or? Uh, so the gill, I'll use. Um, oddly enough, I'll use fifteen pound uh, fluorocarbon. So yeah. now I switched over to the floral with that one. Um, I don't know why. Maybe it's just the different the different rod that it's on that I'll do that. But uh, you know, unless like I said, when I switch to that shad, then I'll up the pound uh, the poundage and then go to that uh, mono. I don't I don't know. Why. Do you do you do anything different rod or line wise with the weedless versus the top hook six inch? For for line wise, you say. Do you do anything different? Do you fish the setup any different for top hook versus weedless? Uh, no, no, I, I use yeah. the same. It's the same deal. I'll I'll cut that weedless off and put the top hook on that same rod with that. Uh, uh, I say twenty to twenty five. I will go down to seventeen pound. Uh, depends uh, where I'm at, but uh, pretty much twenty to twenty five pound is what I use monofilament. Yeah, I would, I would think it's a little easier to drop the line on the top hook with the weedless. You probably got to keep. A little stouter just to drive it i think yeah. but um yeah. for me like on the the blue the gill like a seven three seven foot seven foot four jig rod will throw this pretty well with like yeah 15 to 17 pound line i think i got 17 on this one um so this is that's why i say this is definitely a gateway swim but you don't need anything special you can uh the same rod you throw a chatter bait on or you throw a, a big spinner bait or a jig on will get the job done yeah. uh to this and then I think even the six-inch top hook, which I put away, I think you could use a, like a flipping stick for that because of the top hook to so, some degree. There, I got um, right but I think so you can you can get away with. Um, I've had you know when I started swim bait fishing, I didn't own a swim bait rod, so any right. like a flipping stick, uh, like you said, a jig rod, a flipping stick, uh, that type of stuff. Uh, that's what I started out with until I saved up money to get a swim bait rod. And uh, uh -huh. the Akuma was, you know, Akumas are, you know, a little bit cheaper, but for the price point, they're a good rod, you know? Um, yeah. You can buy, you know, you can buy expensive or cheap rods for any type of fishing. But uh, so I, I actually had somebody from Georgia I was just talking to the other day and they were asking about, you know, you know, what to do or, you know, they wanted to get into swim bait fishing and they were worried about this and that. I was like, just, Get a couple swim baits, throw them on a jig rod for now, or a flipping stick, whatever your stiffest rod is. And I said, just start to familiarize yourself with them, and then save up money for a, a swim bait rod. Do a little homework, yeah. a little research. Like I said, that I rod is that's that's pretty. That covers a pretty good range of baits. Uh, yeah. But yeah, yes. you can you can throw a seven a seven six uh, medium heavy. You know. It's not my first choice of rod, but you can throw a seven six medium heavy for the uh, 
six inch shad for the gills, that's probably great for the gills. You know, no problem with that. That wouldn't be my first choice for this, but I do it. I have done it. I did it before. I can do it again. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I, I find the only reason I know that is because like a lot of times uh, I will throw the six inch on my like 795 Dobbins, which I have the champion because I bought it before the Fury ever came out. And I, Lunkers and Lures is talking about the 795 Fury being the deal. And I've heard great things about that rod for 120 bucks. It's a really good swim bait rod. Um, but I, oftentimes I like to have like a glide or a bigger hard bait on my swim bait rod. So then I like take like a light flipping stick or a heavy jig rod and throw a top hook on that if I'm going to have like multiple swim baits going at the same time. So yeah. we can do that. Um, what's your preference on reels? Like you definitely have some bigger size, like 300 size round reels and stuff, but do you have a specific gear ratio you like for swim baits? Like, do you like sixes? Do you like sevens, like fives? Like what, what's kind of, what, what's like, I like sevens myself. And again, that's personal preference on things. Um, I like to keep them coming fast. Once I, once I hook them up, mm -hmm. you know, um, I, I don't know. Uh, I'm going to look at this one right now and just make sure that I'm not, uh, Oh yeah. There's, there's a seven on that one. Let's see what this one is. This one might be a six. That can rail might be a six, but sure. Anyway, so six to seven, I'd say. So, uh, White Whale asked, does water temp play a factor uh, when you're choosing action on your swim baits? Or does it, maybe he's asking how do the, the baits act different in the, the temperature? I don't know, either one of those, I guess. So, you know, I mean, we have the, the tail designs on these that Bob made are, are a wide variety of different, uh, uh, let's see, what am I gonna use for an example? So that uh, King Gill, this is more of a, a, a slower, you know, a, a slower methodical tail. Uh, this is a little bit tighter action tail, fast action, if you will. I mean, you can retrieve it slow and it kicks. So I don't want you to misunderstand that, but it's, this is kind of a, a tighter, uh, a tighter wobble. Um, it's more like a chatterbait tail. <laughs> maybe somewhere in between the two of what I just showed. Sure. So um, if you, Go by water temperature. I really go less by water temperature and more by what kind of forage is in that lake. You know, uh -huh. if, you're, if you're fishing shad-based uh, forage lakes or something that lakes that have a ton of bluegills in it, I don't necessarily look at the tail as being like I'm going to decide on which one I'm going to throw because of the, the action of the tail. Okay, cool. Uh, Kyle asked, like the six-inch top hook. He says, with a throat dropper for deep waters that still run true. Stinger hook on the throat, and does it oh. run true in deep water? I'm oh not sure. yeah, if you have a stinger hook on there, um, I found that it ran true. I literally just like I said, I tested it or swam it or did some stuff with it, and it seemed to work just fine. Um, the the nice thing is, is when you don't have that, you can run this thing on the bottoms of lakes and just uh, just crawl it. Um, couple of guys uh, uh parker you know parker i'm sure parker knutson and uh Aaron i won't admit it but so they uh they, <laughs> they they'll uh they'll go out and they'll just slow roll these things on uh, deep rocks and they're catching you know five for 27 pounds in minnesota you know i mean uh it's so you put that bottom hook on there it's i, I guess i don't like or that uh, treble hook as a stinger on there 
it kind of, for me, it just gets in the way. If you're on the bottom, slow rolling rocks with it or whatever, dragging it slow. Yeah, and we have a lot of grass where we fish, so that definitely is a hindrance for fishing around grass. So Yeah. Oh, front drop weight. I think he's asking, adding like a... Oh, the nail weights in the nose, like that? No, I think what he's asking is like putting almost like a a short leader with just a weight instead of a hook, kind of like a... Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, like a total weight on a drop. Oh, I see what you're saying. Um, so is he talking on the weedless one, or and he's t I guess I'm not he's talking about the top hook. Okay, top hook in a, a weight drop. So I think he's almost like talking about running like a bottom bouncer, like almost like a uh, a Tokyo rig off the yeah, nose. That's what I'm saying, a Tokyo rig. Don't know, haven't done it. I'm sure okay. somebody out there has, but I haven't done that one. I don't know, but I, I, I think I know what he's talking about now, but sure. Tokyo rig or something similar to that. So I think white whale wants what he was, he's clarifying his question. Does the plastic stiffen up dramatically in winter when temps drop below 50 degrees? Ah, it, it does not dramatically, but it will a little bit, uh, okay. but, but not dramatically. And, and actually that's not a bad thing. If you want your, action to be a little tighter in, in colder water, you know, a little bit, a uh, little bit less of the uh, wide throw to it, but it will a little bit, but, but not much. Sure. So uh, white whale says, uh, oh, sorry, no, Sycamore, which color would you recommend for the six inch weedless and in ultra clear lake? Ultra clear. All right. So I like the, uh, the holographic, which is that's, that's this one that I had the, you had one of those there too. That's the one I did that yep. line through rig too or whatever. So that, I like that one. And uh, I don't know why it's me. I don't, I like black blue in, in clear lakes. Yeah. But I also think that great, like it depends on the forage too, right? Like if, if yeah. shad your predominant forage, right. Or you've got more, right. If it's a lot of bluegills in person, maybe your green pumpkin would be yeah. good. Yep. Yeah. Bill Batterman says, you know how to make that thing dance. So <laughs> I don't know talking about your bait or not, but um, <laughs> I don't dance. So it's the bait. <laughs> uh, Lunkers and Lures says, uh, how does your top hook compare to a Huddleston? Is there more or less action or how is it different? Well, you'd have to ask Rich that question. Um, I don't, uh, I don't own any Huddlestons. So I, when I fish other swim baits, that's soft, Baits, uh, I will fish uh, real prey. Sure. So I can at least show you the, probably compare size-wise. Um, so there is, I'm actually just going to go full screen here for a second. Uh, so I can show you a little better. Um, so there's the Dream Smasher next to the Huddleston. Uh, it's a slightly, uh, it's going to, give you a little more space to see this um the dream smasher is about the same length just a touch longer uh it's definitely got a little more girth and meat to it uh for sure uh you can definitely see the tail section comes a lot thicker further down um and then the size of the tail it's got a much bigger boot tail than the huddleston uh, based on my findings and then a lot of what i've heard other people say the cuddleston really shines uh, in like cold water. Um, uh, I think 
This has a little better action, a little more wider range. I mean, obviously they both catch fish at all, but I think this is going to give you a little harder thump uh, in that warmer water. So I think, you know, in real cold water, that's probably when I would reach for the Huddleston. Uh, as the water temperatures range and through the summer, that's when I like, you know, this little bit, you know, bigger, wider thump. So uh, you know, a little bit bigger profile, a little bit harder, thick kick, and then the, the front of it, like it just definitely pulls more water because you've got um, so much more meat up on the front of that bait. So um, hopefully that helps the uh, what you were asking there uh, and shows you at least a comparison. I, by no mean am I a swimbait expert. This is something I want to get better at and I want to learn more about. So I'm not going to pretend to, to, to have thrown and caught a thousand fish on each of these bait by any means. So you're getting out there and throwing them. That's it. Yeah. So Tom promises to get me out there and, uh, and teach me a few things this summer. Uh, so Simon Zaire says, how are you? We're doing good, Simon. Thanks for, for tuning in. Um, so I guess we didn't really talk about uh, the kingill yet, right? So let's, let's, what's the history on that? When is that shine? When's, uh... So that one's, uh, that one to me is more of a, and somebody will tell me they fish it different after this and go, that's, I fish it completely different. And I'll go, okay, so the way I fish it is in pretty much from the, uh, the uh, first three foot in the water column. So from the surface down to about three foot deep um, and just kind of keep that moving, keeping it swimming. Uh, it's good over uh, uh, weed tops, uh, brush, stuff like that. Uh, so that's, there's another Bob King original, just all kinds of different tail designs he's got. Uh, but that's, uh, that's how I fish that one is, is pretty so much. I haven't thrown this one yet. This is new to me. This is new in my arsenal. Uh, but I, I think we were talking about the other day, it's kind of like a soft wake bait. I mean, if you want to think about it, you're going to use it in the top of the water column. Maybe, I mean, you're going to go a little deeper than that, but this is not typically something you're going to slow roll six, eight, 10, 15, 20 feet down. This is something you're going to cover over the weeds, over shallow flats, uh, right. like that. That's, yeah, that's how I'd fish that one for sure. Uh, yeah. Like I said, somebody else going to tell me they fish it, uh, <laughs> creeping it on the bottom, and I'll go, okay, right. I do it. <laughs> so. this, and this one's kind of like a little bit newer. I mean, this is one of your most recent launches, or no? Uh, I, I can't see what you're holding there. It's not. In no, I mean, it's like the, 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 the king yell. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, yeah. So um, the king gill is. Uh, is one of the newer models for sure. So yep. it started out, we started out with the uh, six inch shad. We went to the uh, four inch gill. Uh, we went to the, uh, the uh, well, I can't remember if it was the king gill or the weedless shad. They were pretty close to the next uh, next ones. They were pretty close to each other. But like the comparison, the, the, the king gill is significantly bigger than the four inch gill, right? Yeah, yeah, that's that one's. I think uh, I think this is a three. Like, I think five and a half, probably almost six. It's pretty close to the same size as the. Oh, it's it's six inch, but it's it's yeah. like it's. I think it's a three three or three and a half ounce bait. So it's sure. it's quite a bit bigger than that. The the smaller gill that's a one and a half ounce bait. You know, one and a half versus three or three and a half. So that comes with a like a, a Mustad KVD yes. triple grip hook on it, pre-rigged. Yep. Yeah. So B Bill wants to know, the hard part is uh, 
committing to these baits as a guy he basically throws yum dingers on spinning rods how do you convince him to throw the dream smasher of which he owns several that sit in his tackle box the majority of the time uh well i guess bill we're gonna have to get out fishing and change that that's uh, I, don't, I don't know it's like anything you just got to get them in the water they, they do you know I, good. I, you can't build I, I think the key is is you got to go out and throw them fun fishing you can't wait till it's derby day because it's really hard to pick it up in a tournament if you don't have confidence in it yeah, you gotta you gotta build. It's like anything; you have to have your confidence in before Derby Day. And so, get out there and throw them around. So all I can say is, is start using them. Yeah, I, I haven't thrown this yet, but Lunker says, "Man, that thing must make bedfish go nuts." And I would think, like almost, you could almost throw this without a hook and use it as like a decoy to get the fish fired up, and then come back in with a jig or a tube or whatever, and just like this thing, I think would drive big big females on the bed nuts. So here's, here's what you want if you want to do. There you go. That's kind of like a Butch Brown rig. You got rid of that sure. thing at the bottom, put it up with the head, and just do it with a split ring on that one is all I did. Sure. So you can do stuff like that if that's what you want to do. Um, otherwise, you know, I mean, yeah. it's I love gill baits myself. So and this one here is with that standing up on the bottom, uh, there's a little bit of a, trick yeah, i can show you here too i don't know if we're doing any tricks or hacks yet rich but i think guys always like tackle hacks i'm not okay so we'll show them something here. i think most people come here to learn they're, they're not coming for my good looks so <laughs> all right so i don't know if i have this one that's on my rod already if i did it to it or not so i'll see if it's already been done to it a lot of the stuff i grabbed out of my boat oh it has been okay so oh so I don't know if you can see there's a little bit of hole there, but that's because I've had a nail weight. So I've had a nail weight and I put this nail weight right into the chin like that. Now you can have it like this facing towards the nose of the bait and it'll dig into the bottom harder. Kind uh -huh. of put the brakes on, I guess, if you will. Or if you're get, getting slime and stuff like that, you tilt it back towards the tail or just straight up and down. What that'll do is, is if you're fishing, let's say you're fishing beds blind or something like that, this will telegraph the bottom for you. You'll feel every pebble and rock and you'll feel sure. it goes from rock to sand or when you slip into a bed or off a ledge. Um, so that's, and, and all I do is push that in until I feel it hit that harness. You can feel it click inside there. It'll bump right in sure. and that's gonna, so if I put this back in there like that, yeah, you'll see that's bumping up into the bottom of, basically bumping into the bottom of this right here. So that's something you can do. Mm -hmm. That'll end up uh, getting you a lot more fish. So you just yeah. stick a nail weight in there. You can pull it out. It's not gonna affect your bait. It's not gonna wreck it. Um, it's not gonna hurt it at all. So I pulled this nail weight back out of this one cause I had, I was fishing the slimy stuff, the, the booger snot weeds. And uh, no matter how I had that in there, it was hooking it. So I just pulled it out. I'll put it back in another day when I can. Yeah. When I want so, that extra weight. Any plans for an eight inch bait? Oh, who's asking these silly questions now? All right. So here we go. You ready? I wasn't sure. Are we getting a sneak gonna... peek? Uh -huh. Are we getting a sneak peek? Uh, you're going to get a sneak peek right now. I, I wasn't. Yeah. I don't know. I put them up here just in case. I wasn't sure if this was going to happen or not. But so we're working on it's uh, the 7.77 inch flying V takes a 12 watt beast hook. So it's it's another, uh, it's a weedless version again, but you got that big old giant 
meat hook sticks up out of there when you set the hook. Same thing, reset it, bury it back in. So this is just, this is a very, very beginning prototype of that. But that is, let's see if I can give you an idea. So you, <laughs> you can get a, a, an idea on this one. So we're talking. Yeah. I mean, we're kind of kind of like that working class zero type uh, citizen type, you know, or what, what's the other one? Uh, um, so, yeah, I got one of those right here. I fish those guys. That's uh, Mike Gilbert's. Uh, it's a citizen, but this is his, uh, this is his citizen. And this is a different tail than. Uh, yeah. Just like size wise compared to the one you're working on. I would so, say yeah, like. So here you go. This will give you an idea. This will give you an yeah. idea. If you look at like this too, if you look at the, the girth on the back side of it. And if you look at like this here, you can kind of see, but it's. You look at the, how thick it is through the tail section again. It's just a, a different style, but this bait is a little over five ounces. It's a monster. Um, and then we're also, this is, yeah, forgive me, these are just uh, beginning stuff. We're trying to make, I've had people asking for trout patterns for a long time. So that's that one uh, painted up. We should ask the fish. Oh, I found the shop the other day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, I guess most people are liking this one better so far, but uh, it's, it really has. Uh, uh, it's just in the beginning, beginning stages of that one. So that is nice. the uh, seventh. So that's got a lot more field time. testing. It's got a little more tank testing. It's got a whole bunch of more. A lot you know, of stuff to be done. Uh, but probably next winter at the earliest, probably type thing. I'm not sure. Hopefully it's not that long, but I'm always anxious okay. to get stuff out there. And, and uh, But I, I got to keep making the baits right now. As a, I got people ordering stuff. I got to keep making baits, and I can only break away on that once in a while. So Nice, obviously. Um, yeah, so Chad says, sad they didn't get to see you at the hook setter thing. But the good this is basically the virtual hook setter thing. You get to talk to Tom tonight so um yeah i don't know is the uh, hook setter thing gonna happen still or I, I don't know i don't know if they will have time or not now that it's i'm pretty sure they go fishing now that it's time to go fishing so i don't know i know yep that, that, that was a fun deal though down there so um yeah so you got new baits you guys got to see a sneak peek um Tom or Bill comments that as somebody who's fish with you, you do a lot of unique things with uh, swim baits. And I guess maybe like just touch on that. Like, I, and I fished with Tom one time recently, but that's uh, definitely like the me. Like when I fish swim baits, it's typically throw it out there and reel it in. But Tom, you tend to do a lot more unique things with your swim baits. Maybe just kind of talk about what maybe people don't think about with swim baits. Yeah, so I'll I'll uh, I'll fish uh, uh, deep weed edges. So I'll flip an edge and just let the bait swim down. Whether it's this one or that model or whatever, I'll I'll let them swim down. Reel back in, pitch it out, let it swim down. And um, you should really watch your line all the time, anyways. But when you throw that out and you're letting it sink, even if you're not fishing a weed edge like I was just talking about. Um, I've thrown them out, thrown it next to a dock, and it's, I'm watching my line. As soon as it hits, it just goes, it's two bumps. It's like a heartbeat. First was hitting the bottom. The second was the fish eating it. So I just reeled up and set the hook. I was like, wait a minute. 
these things don't bounce twice. It doesn't, it doesn't go bump, bump. So I watched the line, I went stop, and then it bumped again right away immediately after it. So, you know, I mean, I'll fish docks with them. I'll fish deep weed edges with them. I'll slow roll them. I'll fish them just about any way you can think of. I'll fish them from the bank. I'll, I'll dead stick them. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll fish them uh, in weeds, rocks, uh, from the bank out to probably, eh, I don't really fish too much past that uh, 22, 24 foot, somewhere in there. Yeah, I don't get much past that. And I would say, especially with your your little your little gill, like you're a lot of like snapping and jigging and like. Yeah, oh yeah, so that, that that was that's another thing I do a lot with that, and that's when when I'm using that nail weight in there in the bottom too. If I'm digging or feeling the bottom, and I'll I'll peck it on the bottom sometimes, hop it, and you know I'll stop it and stall it, you know, and just I'll hold it there and just just barely start crawling it again, and sometimes hop it and. Yeah, I'll do all kinds of stuff. I'll swing the rod and make it speed up and then I'll just kill it and let it sink back down because it stands on the bottom. So it'll kick the tail like this, fall down and sit right like that. Reel it up, make it kick again, kill it, set it back down again. So I do all, yeah, I do all kinds of different stuff with them. And that little gill skips pretty nice. Like it. Yeah. Yeah, it sure does. Although I will say when I'm trying to make like accurate parallel casts, it does tend to. I mean, I just need to work on my technique a little bit, but like on a sidearm cast, that one thing wants to sometimes like. Catches the wind, scoops up on you, takes off. I, yeah, just think the natural, not even the wind, just the natural shape of it just wants to cut. Like, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe I've just already adjusted myself to that. I was going to say, it's probably just, I just need to throw it more and get that technique down. So, yeah. um, So the little gill is basically a big dark sleeper. Yeah, I would say so. That's a good accurate description, Eric. Um, so there's a, a bait called the Mega Bass Dark Sleeper, which is like a little jig swim bait. And I would say that your four inch gill is just like a, a more manly version of that. Um, uh, let's see, what else are people we missed? There was a, so Lunkers and Lures wants to know, what's your PB on one of your baits? uh okay so in minnesota uh, uh six and three quarter pounds in minnesota that's a big bass here like that's that's bigger than most people's pbs without swimming or not so uh i've only got two bass in minnesota that size or bigger so yeah yeah and so like have you fished it many other places besides minnesota wisconsin or oklahoma when i won that tournament I don't but that was really like a four-pounder. of Minnesota that often, so sure. uh, I'm too busy making to, baits. He doesn't got time to be driving around. Busy making baits. So, however, this last winter things got a little goofed up. But uh, I was actually going down to uh, try and fish with your dad over uh, last winter. So a falcon. Yeah, yeah. So we're gonna try to make a trip. Uh, 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 Fairbanks and Ham and myself go down there and uh, bug your dad for a bit. You know, I wouldn't. So. I've fished falcon a little bit uh, with my dad, and it's got big bass in it. So um, it's definitely a little darker water, which I'm sure with Oklahoma you had fairly dark water. Chocolate uh, milk. Yeah. So the only thing I was thinking is that, like, maybe you might, on the way down there, on the way back, detour at Amistad and throw your swimmates there because that's got that clean water, and you'll have that big drawing power. So it might be fun to be able to hit both those fisheries because I think Amistad's kind of coming back. 
and you've got that clean water. So that might be just something to consider uh, on your road trip. Oh, definitely. I think that might have already been talked about. I think Dave was talking about that already. So, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, we're kind of we're, we're almost 90 minutes in. covered a lot. Is there anything else, I guess, any other questions about or anything we didn't touch on as far as, like, I guess – through the seasons, like when, like when do you reach for a six-inch top hook versus a weedless versus one of your gills? Like, is there a, a time of the year or a water column or like what's your general process for like when you when you like your baits the best and which ones? Um, I, I favor the gills in the spring. I, I don't know, it's just my thing. It's like it's springtime, it's gill time. Um, the uh the six inch shad uh through the summer and into the fall so the the gills go into the fall again also uh, I, I fish them pretty much all the way through the season um but if i was to narrow it down it'd be the gills in the uh uh spring and the fall and the six inch shad more in the uh summer and fall and do you throw the, the big king gill early in the year too or is it more the the smaller one yeah, I'll, I'll throw the king gill early in the year also. So okay. sometimes when they get off that bed or whatever and they're hungry and want to chew on something and they see that gill that was maybe bothering them while they're bedding, <laughs> I don't know. There's a big snack and they're still angry at it. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's fun bait. Yeah, so so Tom says he's got an 811 in Southern Illinois. That's, that's a donkey for sure. Uh, Kyle says, what's, what's like one of the biggest fish or what are some of the bigger fish you've had customers like send you pictures of or tell you about? So I, you know, there, it's funny. Uh, it's a weird deal. Like the tournament anglers, there was guys cashing checks on the, uh, four inch gill and six inch shad that said, you can't say anything. And I'm like, what? So I was like, all right. Okay. So they sent me pictures and told me stuff and I kept it a secret because I said I would. I had just a guy that uh, I think uh, a few years back, quite a few years back, Seth Fighter got a, a nine pounder in Florida. On, uh, as a matter of fact, it was this uh, carp pattern here. Um, so he was in Florida, got one that was right around nine pounds. And then I had a guy that just called me from central Georgia, said he just got one that was just a hair under 10 pounds. Uh, guy in California, 10 um, I'm trying to think. So that's it's pretty much right around hovering around that ten pound marker. You know. The thing is with these swimbait guys, probably the biggest ones nobody's talking about. <laughs> swimbait guys are super secretive. So, um, and uh, Eric, yes, you can absolutely skip the little gill. It skips really well. It's a uh, it's a little bit different technique, but it definitely skips really nice. Um, yeah, I, I remember Josh uh, Douglas catching some good fish in practice and a couple of key fish in a, and it opened on Douglas yeah, uh, yeah. years back. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, there's definitely, and a lot of this was you know, like some of the bigger fish and some more of the hype you had was when you were just kind of creeping along, barely kicking out baits. So it like yeah. people were excited about it, but there wasn't uh, a supply back no, then. No, we, we jumped, uh, we jumped in my boat and pulled baits out of there and painted them again for, uh, for Douglas because he needed them down there. And we, uh, we overnighted them to him, but we had, a, we had, didn't even have any other baits poured that we could do. So we jumped in the boat, and pulled out baits that are already getting bit and repainted them and sent them, shipped them down to him. So he had baits. So like at one point hype was here and supply was way yeah. here. And now we're trying to kind of get those to kind of. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. 
So absolutely. So like, uh, like how many baits are you kicking out a month or now, or what's, what kind of uh, supply are you able to get out these days? You know, um, I, I do have some help now, so it's gotten better. Uh, still have never really tracked numbers on what I have. Cause I don't know what I have for inventory right now. Um, I've, I, I've got a bunch of stuff. I got stuff hanging on racks that need to be painted. I got some stuff in the paint booth right now. I've got, so I, I really don't know, actually. Sure. Um, I'm not sure. Like I said, it is a long process and curing time involved and, you know, starting out with the internal harnesses and the right. process we went through earlier. So. so right now your website's set up to only sell what you have in stock, right? Yeah. Yep. Not, no uh, pre-orders. So when we're, when, when it's, when it's showing out of stock, it's just because I'm not doing pre-orders right now. Uh, that may change at some point. We may get into that with that uh, 7.77 inch model. I'm not sure just because that's a different beast. Uh, we'll see, you know, and maybe uh, uh, something to test the water with. So, I mean, if, if somebody like is want something, but they don't see it, would they like send you a note on Instagram or Facebook and say like, how long or when do you think you're going to have this or what? what uh, would you... So we've got a, We've got a newsletter that uh, they can sign up for a contact entry form or whatever. And it also tells people uh, when we have uh, special runs like that June, bu- uh, the June mm-hmm. bug that we're doing right now, it'll notify them on that. Um, some restore stocking when we get way down and we have to, and, and we're getting there again now. So we may end up having something where we send out an email or saying things have been restocked, you know, once we get things back up, up to par again. Um, so, so what, what are your, what are your best sellers sizes and colors or what, what, what are, what are people buying? So it seems like, uh, for right now, the, uh, the weedless, uh, the weedless shad, it seems to be this, uh, the, the white pearl one. Okay. Yeah. Not, not this red eye one necessarily, but just, yeah, the white pearl you've got there and the holographic. So the guys on uh, SB Fishing, uh, yep, SB Fishing TV, the guys put up a, a video of them catching some some giants on those baits. And they have a huge following. And uh, we got just blown up with orders from those guys. So uh, thanks to Matt and Billy. Um, speaking of, there's uh, SB TV, I believe, is now doing a weekly um uh, uh show on strictly swim bait fishing and they're good anglers and they've got good information to share i recommend that um as well as obviously swim bait universe swim bait underground you know if guys are trying to find out information on swim bait fishing and stuff like that those are good things to get on to and follow those guys yeah. i marked one of those sb uh fishing videos because they, they talked about like low-cost swim baits and i saw one of your baits in the thumbnail and i marked it to watch later but i haven't watched it yet yeah they've uh they've done a couple things with our baits but they have uh they've got some pretty good information where i didn't have a lot of information on rods and stuff they probably are going to cover more into that um so if you're looking to find out some more detailed information on swim bait fishing in general Mm -hmm. uh, they're going to have some some better ideas for you yeah absolutely Uh, uh So Kyle asked, do you do any custom orders or like how many would somebody have to buy to do a custom? So we we really stay away from it. So we, and and this is why we, we did this, but we, we did uh, custom orders. We said we do custom orders for a $500 order minimum Sure. Uh, just because it it gets into so much difficulty to break away and try to find the color that you're looking for and to do whatever else. And um, you know, we've had other color patterns that have ended up being, you know, like we 
put it in the lineup because other people saw it and they go, yeah, like that. And so we end up making yeah. that color. Then, oh, probably the better thing is if you've got something you're interested in, send a note. And if enough people say, yeah, we're interested in <laughs> red ear or whatever, then, you know, maybe you'll do a special run. And then if it takes off, then maybe it'll become a, a yeah. you know, offering. So, yeah. Yeah, thanks to all the guys that have been that hung in here. I know some of you guys got to go. Obviously, the replay will be up later if you want to go back and catch through stuff. I've been doing, like, now lately, if you haven't seen it, I've been putting timelines in there. So you can hover on the timeline and see all the topics. So if you want to go back and see anything you did, you know, we didn't – you missed, you want to go watch something over again. Um, and then also, once the replay goes up, shortly after that, there will be an audio-only version of the podcast. So if you want to re-listen to this or uh, catch it again in the audio version while you're driving or running or – uh, you know, fishing with, with iPods in or whatever, then uh, that, that stuff's all going to be available. So if you want to redigest this. So, um, so, and I think right now, if I'm not wrong, the only place to get these is online through your store, right? That's the only place that right. you sell. Yep. That's just uh, your standard web cart. I think, does that run on like PayPal type thing or? Um, any credit card or PayPal. I mean, it gives you that option. I think at checkout, you can you can do it with uh, whatever card you got or through PayPal. Sure. Um, so yeah, if there's something you don't see, obviously you can send uh, them a note. But yeah, best to follow them on Instagram, uh, Dream Smasher Swim Baits. There's going to be links and that kind of stuff down uh, in the description, the Facebook page, uh, the newsletter. That's all great ways to get uh, in tune with them. Uh, you know, so if you want to know when new colors are coming out, when he's going to do a drop. So much like other swim bait companies, like inventory kind of goes low and then usually you build up a big chunk of it and then you kind of release it to the website and you usually make like a push on social and in your newsletter to let people know. Right. So yeah, mm-hmm. you're not quite bullshed level yet, but <laughs> not, not quite. No, not quite. So are, are you throwing those bullshads yet, Rich? I don't have one yet. I definitely want that's on my list. I guess I have the baby one, but that like I didn't realize how small that was. Like that's yeah, so it's like a half ounce lipless crankbait. It's tiny. That, that one's that one there. I think is a. I think that's a nine. I think that's a a nine. I think it's a yeah. seven. I don't know. The baby bullshad. I was so disappointed. I like I put it on my list for like Christmas or something. Thinking, oh yeah, I'll, you know there. And then I got one. And I was like, well that. Is super disappointing. The oh thing is, wow, that's. Whew, that I mean, like even like. Yeah, no, that's not no, that, that's not okay, Rich. That's so here's another. Uh, I'm just gonna make this is too. this is a swim bait you could throw on a spinning rod. <laughs> <laughs> that has got to be no, Bill. You're asking. Here's your swim bait. You can throw this on the same as your four inch dinger. <laughs> That'll make you happy, Bill. So here's another uh, guy I'd like to mention real quick too. This guy. And this is, yes, this is, I think, a five inch and a six inch. This is uh, uh, Rhett Wheeler, Wheeler Lures. And this okay. comes up with, and this is another slotted type of weedless bait. But look at this mammoth that, I mean, this thing is absolutely ridiculous. So I think it looks like a musky lure. This guy, this guy, he, well, he fishes some stripers from where he's at and stuff like that. But uh, I'm going to fish some bass with it. I'll give it a throw, you know. And that, uh, you know, obviously this, uh, the seven inch citizen that gets bit, you know, these are, I mean, I throw a bunch of different soft baits and Joe's real prey and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, we've had some people ask like, when are we going to start to make a tail that's, you know, 
more of this kind of traditional boot. The boot like that type of stuff. And, and Wayne Campbell's been asking from Swimbait Universe. And I said, yeah, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. Well, but there's already like a hundred of them out there, right? That's why we haven't gotten to it. We're going to make one eventually, but we're, we're working on this maybe right now. And he's also been asking for a, uh, a trout pattern. So maybe this will make him happy. He sees that we got a trout pattern going. So, but I mean, yeah, I mean like everybody, right? Like almost all the other swim baits out there, the Talon, the California swim babes, like yeah. they all have a tail. Yeah. So like, I kind of see like why, I mean, that's, I mean, why would you rush out to make that tail? Like what you're doing with these different types of wedge tails is fairly unique. I mean, real prey has kind of got similar types. I mean, I would say they're your closest similar tails or their tails that I've seen. Yeah. I mean, Uh, he's got some great stuff, but I mean, like you're just looking at two different tails right there. You go from that to this to, I mean, it just, it's, they're, they're all unique tails. Bob had, so many cool different designs, you know, and you just, it's just the different, uh, the different designs on all these is just, it's crazy. Guy was a mad genius. Yeah. And I'd say like the, the, this four inch gill surprisingly has a pretty heavy kick that you can really feel. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's tight, yep. but you can feel it. Absolutely. Much more than like some of those other like traditional boot tails, I think like, uh, which I like because I feel like it, it almost like when you're, it almost feels like a real subtle chatterbait when you're throwing or a, or a Colorado blade, like spinnerbait, yeah. like you can feel it down there. And it like, if you're not used to throwing swim baits, that's like a positive uh, reaffirmation that like, okay, I can feel it. it's doing something down there. Whereas some of these have like a real, like a Huddleston, it's really hard to feel anything. Like it's super subtle um, and they catch fish and they all have their own applications and times. And, and, and yeah, but I think, when you're just getting into it, it's nice to have a bait that you can feel. It, it helps you mentally kind of like stay with it, I think. So. The gateway swim bait, huh? Is that what you're calling it? The gateway this swim is the bait? Marijuana. The, this is the marijuana <laughs> swim baits right here. Yeah, yeah. But cool. Yeah, so great. Uh, anything else you wanted to add or share or throw out there? I don't think so. Other than tell Bill to just get those things in the water. He'll catch fish. But what you got to do yeah he's too busy throwing baby tubes on drop shots and things like that so um <laughs> so how about like and you you got any stories about like giant pike or musky encounters with your swim baits um none that i like to share but uh hmm, i'm trying to think like they steal the bait or they tear up your bait or uh you know they're pretty durable but yeah it's again somebody said mend it works i usually don't glue on my baits the they the pike when they grab them if they do that they usually grab them like this and it's almost like slices with a a utility knife or something and i just keep fishing them like that but i don't know i don't have any um you know i've caught some big pike and and stuff with them uh caught some uh, musky with them and that but uh, not what i'm using them for i do have some guys that are really uh really interested and they like this bait here, but I think when they see this one, I don't know. I'm fa- I'm bass fishing with it. I'm gonna throw this in Minnesota, you know. So, but uh, that might entice some musky guys for that too. I don't know. Sure. Cool. Nice. Awesome. Well, yeah. Hopefully, we we shared you guys uh, a spotlight on kind of a a growing up and coming company. I think Tom's doing some cool stuff. 
Uh, his baits definitely catch fish. Uh, I look forward to throwing them. Hopefully you'll see Tom and I out in the boat this summer uh, doing some things uh, camera-wise. I appreciate you guys uh, tuning in. Uh, I should have a smallmouth video dropping probably Friday this week from Mille Lacs. It's got some pretty clear water. So no swim baits were harmed in that, but uh, there is some pretty nice smallmouth caught. Uh, shipping options, Kyle wants to know. I think everything goes uh, USPS uh, priority, right? Box, yep, priority flat rate. Yeah, box. so everything gets you in a couple days. Oh, show them the boogers. We didn't talk about the boogers. Oh, oh, yeah. Okay, so let's see. What did I – that was uh... – I had one sitting on one of these. I don't know. There we go. I had one here. So that one I actually dyed just to show you. They come translucent. Uh, I don't know if I have a. Oh, I, you might have one there, Rich. But uh, yeah, I don't know. So they come a little baggy of bag of boogers. And basically, it's like. Just a little soft plastic thing that you slide over the hook. Yeah, here's here's one. There's one right there. Yes. That's why they're called the booger. Because so you put like it over the right. You put the hole over the eyelet, right? Yep. Before you tie it on, then Correct. it stays in place, right? So then you just yep. got this, and yep. you tie it on. That knot allows it to basically knot. Yep. <laughs> knot. Uh, and you can thread that over your hook, right, to protect. Right, so that gives you that. And then you can thread that onto your hook. So if you're in super snaggy, weedless situations, you can use this on any of your top hook swim baits, right? Yep, yep. And then, like I said, I just dyed this one just to show you can dye it different colors. Same thing, and I didn't mention it with this, like these here too. You can, these accept uh, the dyes, and you can use the, the garlic color pens, chartreuse the tail if you want or whatever. You're saying any of your weedless ones, you can take and mark up if you want to customize them. You recognize that guy there even, huh? Little, yeah, it's a good looking Bass Tech. Bass Tech with a swimmer on it. Uh, so other guys are asking, is there any more of the shop they can see? Um, not at this time. It is a, a disaster of swim baits everywhere. I can tell you that. Rich has seen it. It's a mess. I got stuff going on. I, I That's all <laughs> so right. Not at this point. And, and I've got some things that uh, I'd rather not have people see also. Some trade yeah, secrets. So, so. Uh, you have a tank in there for testing. Yeah. Uh, just for R&D or do you actually test the baits before you ship them? So um, they're all tank tested before they go out also, but I, I use it for R and D and then uh, they all get, uh, they all hit the water with the exception of the, uh, the weedless, weedless ones. They don't right. because that's up to you to rig that right. If it is not swimming properly, you didn't hook it right. Unhook it and hook right. it up again. So all your harness models, you yes. tank test. Yep. Mm -hmm. So that's a good point. That's, you know, all those steps of time and the, right. These are not cheap baits, but they're, they're a labor of love and they're all tank tested and, you know, they should be ready to catch fish when you get them. So, yeah. Cool. Well, I think we touched on all the high points. Uh, we're a little over an hour and a half. Was it, it wasn't so bad. Was it Tom? You, you were nervous. Not so terrible. We're just shooting the breeze, talking fishing. Yeah. 
All right. Well, cool. Well, I think, as I said, uh, all the links are down below. Uh, hopefully you guys enjoyed the stream. Hopefully you learned something about swim bait fishing in general. Uh, hopefully you get a chance to get to out some of these new baits. Uh, and as always, you're here to help you catch more bass and suck less with swim baits. <laughs> Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire. By famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix. As always, thanks to all of you that hung in till the end of this podcast. This has been another episode of Hellabass Bass Fishing Podcast Experience. Please consider sharing this with any of your bass and buddies and friends. This is the best way for podcasts to grow is through word of mouth. Also, don't forget to search Hellabass on Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, or just about anywhere else so that we can connect in more ways. As always, here to help you catch more bass and suck less. <laughs>